Welcome to the CodeCast Podcast. Real-world insights for your daily medical coding and billing processes. And now, here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CodeCast Podcast today. My name is Terry Fletcher. Hope everyone's doing okay. I'm actually going to kind of depart from my top 10 Tuesday today. I'm actually going to rant a little bit because there's some headlines out there that I think are important that you know about if you haven't heard about it already. And it's important that everyone gets some perspective here. Now, I'm going to try my hardest not to be political on this statement, but it's going to be very hard for me. You know, I'm a conservative, so there are some things right now that are happening that I'm just not happy about, and it's going to affect healthcare in a big way. So the AMA posted a story uh, last week that nurse practitioners are suing for the right to the use the label doctor after their name if they have a PhD. Also, the American Academy of Physician Assistants, the AAPA, um, has arbitrarily changed physician assistant to physician associate, and it has not been approved by the AMA. And so these two groups, as much as I love our mid-level, and you hear what me saying, mid-level providers, they're not top-tier physicians, they're trying to get this equal playing field, and it's really becoming a problem. It's like when you walk into the doctor's office and your medical assistant takes you back, and then when they come back in and the doctor says they're going to go ahead and set you up with some testing, and they say, you're going to talk to my nurse. They're not the nurse. And... I'm even seeing that there's some um, attorneys out there. They have what they call a doctor of jurisprudence. And again, that's a doctorate in legal profession. And it's not being a medical physician. It's an attorney. So the problem here is the clinical use of the term that's intentionally line blurring and not ethical. So there's a vast difference in training and expertise between an MD or DO and a nurse practitioner and PA, and anyone who says they have a PhD in something that's not medicine. So the big problem here is that there's a vast difference in training and expertise, again, and the clinical use of the term doctor is synonymous with for everyone with physician, and it always has been. Patients deserve to know who they are seeing because it makes all the difference, not only in their cost of care, but in their health outcomes and who can talk to them from a medical decision-making perspective. I mean, even think of the term with the PAs, the associate term or physician associate instead of assistant. Associate to me is, an, is means you're trying to be equal. And PAs have been trying to do that equal stature thing for years, but they're not equal. They are a physician assistant to a Physician. That's why even Medicare says, and I'm surprised not 50%, but reimbursement for independent services is is, uh, 85%. But changing titles and trying to infer that you're a physician in the medical term is just wrong. Okay, and here's where I'm trying not to get political, but I'm going to do it because it just annoys me to no end. So some of you may not know this, but during the last election, there was a news piece and it's from a really bad TV show with five women sit there and all they do is spew hate. I wish it was off the air, but they kept saying, Dr. Jill Biden, Dr. Jill Biden, because she has a PhD in education. Okay, good for her. But that should just afford her to be able to be called professor if she works at a university or teaches at a university. But she does not. 
And she basically continues to want to be referred to as doctor. So does the president refers to her as doctor, which again, it's inferring that she's a medical doctor misleading. And one of those celebrities who's not too smart, actually said, well, she should be named Attorney General, not realizing she was not a medical doctor until a conservative celebrity said, um, she has a doctorate in education. So that wouldn't be correct. So that was misleading the public. And it continues to mislead the public with the, the obvious dementia issues that obviously Biden has right now, people are thinking that she should be realized as a medical physician that he should not be, you know, leading a country with his decline. Well, she's a doctor in education. So even that's not fair to her. But if you're going to even put your Twitter handle as Dr. Jill Biden, I mean, come on. So yeah, I'm going to get a lot of crap for this, but I don't care. This is my podcast. And I'm just so tired of secondary personnel that, again, I know we need our nurse practitioners and PAs. We can't survive without them because of the staff shortages on physicians. But physicians went to school a really long time. They trained a really long time, almost double of what a mid-level provider has trained or or a um, non-physician personnel clinician has trained. And to try to equate, and I, I'm really not happy that, that nurse practitioners think that a doctorate in nursing equates to being called doctor. The medical term is pretending to be a doctor and it's almost like this identify as nonsense. I just don't like it. And, and I'm going to say it because we are fighting for dollars for physicians. We are seeing another reduction in our fee schedule for Medicare in 2024. And if we continue down this path, basically, we're going to start paying Medicare for us to see patients. And it also discounts the service of services of a provider of a physician. And we don't want to do that. We want to make sure everyone stays in their lane. They know exactly what they're supposed to be doing as far as their limitations and what kind of provider they are. So I really just felt like this was something I had to say, had to put out there because it's becoming a problem in blurring the lines. And we can't blur these lines when, you know, um, patient lives are at stake. And just think of the liability. If you start calling yourself doctor and you don't have an MD or DO or um, a DDS, which isn't a dentist, they can have doctor too. If you don't have that behind your name and you don't have those verified um, uh, credentials and, and you know education behind your name and somebody infers that that's who you are because that's who you're, you're allowing yourself to be called based on an educational um, you know rule, then you could be liable for any kind of wrongdoing with the patient. And I'm telling you, if I was an attorney, I would take it to the hilt. I would be so annoyed if I thought that that was somebody who was trying to pull the wool over my eyes by saying there was something or not. So just keep this in mind because I'm noticing now too with credentialing and contracting season come up that a lot of um, practices are hiring more and more um, nurse practitioners and PAs and clinical nurse specialists and they've lost their license in another state or their license isn't current and nobody's checking. They're looking at a resume and taking it at face value. You need to check credentials. You, even when you get another physician, make sure that you checked that they're in good standing in, in the state that they came from, if they're coming from out of state. But this is just a soapbox apparently that, that I'm on because I just 
think it's discounting what our physicians do out there. So I know I've, I've taken about eight minutes with this. And so I will move on to our coding question. But I just want to say one last thing. Physicians today are educated and trained differently and more deeply and robustly than any other profession, professional in healthcare. A misrepresentation of the practitioner's level of licensing is misleading and can jeopardize patient safety. Okay, so, okay, so on to our coding question. So our coding question today comes from a practice billing a lot of level five new patient visits. And their question says, so Terry, we have a question regarding the 99205 code. I'm noticing that our doctor is putting down on every single patient, spent 60 minutes and then a list of a few activities that they performed during that service. But we only block 45 minutes for the visit. I'm sorry, you hear the amusement in my voice. And I know our doctor does not spend 60 minutes and the medical decision-making is really um, reviewing or auditing out at more like moderate or low visit. Are we allowed to change it? We don't have any certified coders here. Okay, so this is a complicated question. First of all, you need to have a conversation with the physician and the provider. I would pull up some OIG information and also on the work plan regarding E&M services because that's low-hanging fruit. And right now, your provider is just inviting risk to bill for services, especially based on time, where first of all, you can't justify the time, even though it says 60 minutes, which it's amazing how every provider puts the minimum time um, that's in the that's necessary to meet that criteria. But if the visit isn't even in the scheduler for 60 minutes, then you've got a conflict there. But the other thing is that it has to be a believable day. And remember, Medicare put in their last transmittal that was effective. Um, I should say that came out in May, um, February 9th and then became effective May 9th, was that they're going to be looking at, now they said objectively, but it's really subjectively, any kind of visits that are, are all visits that are using time to level the service to make sure it's a believable day, to make sure the accuracy of the time is there. So again, this is just going to open you up for an audit. It's really going to invite risk. It's going to um, probably annoy patients because even though their copay may be the same, doesn't matter what level of service, it does increase costs for them for your provider to upcode something that they can't support. And level fives and level fours are always a target of audits, whether it be TPE audits, Target Probe Educate, you pick audits where now we're looking at fraud audits or CERT audits where now that's based on data mining and what um, the what CMS is looking at based on your specialty in your geographic location and are you an outlier. So you need to have a conversation with your provider and let them know that this is not appropriate. Otherwise, you could find yourself in trouble. If you need more information, you can always come to me, come to us and let us do a sample size of an audit and we have a minimum of 30 records. Um, so it's minimum of 10 per provider, but overall 30. So if you have one physician, you'd have to hit 30. And we could take a look for you and just let you know what it's auditing out at. And we do take into consideration, is it really believable that you did an, an hour for patients coming in, doing great, feels better, you know, quick recheck, continue meds. That would not be a level five. So, um, and I apologize right now, you can probably hear me breathing. I'm still sick. It's hang, hanging on forever. And so a month into it, oh my goodness, hopefully it'll be done soon. But anyway, I think this is something that you should definitely um, bring to your provider first and then say, you know what, let's get an external auditor to take a look. That way none of us have a stake in it and somebody's just looking at it. 
from an independent perspective to see if it's actually appropriate. And that's about it for that. So um, just make sure that you are, it doesn't matter what level of service, if you're using time, it's going to be scrutinized and that you have to be able to justify the time. If you're using medical decision-making, make sure that you're looking at the medical decision-making grid that American Medical Association puts out. And then also read what Medicare puts out in some of their uh, example vignettes of what could or could not be a, um, a certain level of service, because those are important because they're going to compare that to what you're actually documenting. And the biggest culprit I see in that, which is probably something I should have mentioned earlier, is that a lot of the electronic medical record system, so a lot of your EMRs, EHRs, you haven't updated your 95 and 97 guidelines to the 2021 current guidelines and 2023 for hospital. And so if you're using old guidelines and pulling information through, you, then you're not really doing it. You're basically just, you know, duplicating, cut and pasting, and this is definitely a problem. So um, it would behoove you to probably look at an external audit anyway if you have any indication or any concern that you may be over or even under coding. So I would just strongly advise you to at least take a look at it. And externally is, is probably the best way to do that. Our coding question is brought to you today by Ricola. Ricola throat drops made with Swiss alpine herbs, oral anesthetic, lemon mint, sugar-free, great tasting, soothing relief. Try them, Ricola throat drops. Okay, everyone, that's it for me today. Have a great rest of your week. Make it a great day. And thank you for listening to the CodeCast podcast. For more information on medical coding, billing, auditing, and compliance, including how to hire Terry, follow Terry on Twitter at TerryCoder1 or visit her website at www.terryfletcher.net. Podcast producer Joe Kuzma. Music producer Assassin Music.